verse 13, it says this, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen, sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. I'm going to preach as fast as I can, but I do got to give you context. In the New Testament, somebody say New Testament. The body of the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because of the blood of Jesus on our life, how many people know the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you? Where is the church? It's right here. His presence. Somebody said, God's presence is in me. But before the blood of Jesus on the cross, the physical body was not acceptable for the presence of God. So God's presence would reside in a literal box that they built of ivory and gold called the Ark of the Covenant. And in this passage, they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into the city. But this is literally the presence of God. Look how amazing the presence of God was. It would be on the shoulders of the priests. They would take six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. And by the sixth step, they said, God is so good, we've gone too long without praising him. And they'd put the Ark down. And they'd begin to lift their arms and celebrate. And they would sacrifice animals. And they would praise because he's so good, I can't even go seven steps without saying, God, I bless you. God, somebody shout amen in this place. Okay, don't be so spiritual. You know how long it took them to get anywhere? (laughs) Six steps and we got to have church. It's a long day, y'all. It says that David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpets. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, here we come with the drama. This is David's wife, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling. That's a whole different message. Why wasn't she out there with the presence? Can we just have fun? Hey, single fellas. Avoid women who don't love the presence of God. Avoid women who will watch you worship but won't join you in worship. Because they will always be up in a window looking down on you. That's just for free. That had nothing to do with the message. Saul's daughter looks through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord watches. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. Y'all, he fed the whole city. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned, don't miss this, to bless his household. He took care of everybody else. Now he's coming to speak a blessing over his own household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, "Uh uh-huh. Look like you had big fun in Baltimore. She said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maze of his servants as one of those base fellows, shamelessly uncovering himself. She said, you embarrassed me out there. 
So David said to McCall, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than he said, you ain't seen nothing yet, baby, and will be humbled in my own sight. I need more Jesus. Pray for me, y'all. But as for the maidservants whom you have spoken, no, 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 they will honor me. Therefore, McCall, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Oh, it's going to be a good one today. We're going to have some fun. Y'all ready? Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that you're a good God. You're a great God. Because you're good. You're working everything out in our lives for good. Our marriages, our children, our calling, our anointing, our future, our health. It is all working out for our good and for your glory. God, we say, have your way. God, speak in this time that we have today. Give me boldness. I ain't scared. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. <laughs> amen. Ladies, y'all got y'all turn last week. And that's easy. We're gentlemen. We let you go first. We let you go first. But now we're going to set the record straight. Before I do that, I, I want to take a moment and define an English word. Because sometimes, you know, it's semantics where you may use a word, I may use a word, but we're not using the same definition of that word. So I need to make sure that we all agree on the definition of the word need. It's not a deep word, it's just a complicated word because when somebody says that they need something, you may hear it not as need, you may hear it as want. So I want to be careful before I get into this message and I start saying stuff like men need sex and y'all hear it, wives, as, nah, he just wants it. He needs water, he needs food, he'd be good just with that. Or need honor, or need, need whatever. Let me, let, me, let me give you this analogy. I, I, I grew up, and, and my dad made me cut the grass. Irritated me because I had two other brothers. So I'm like, well, I gotta cut the grass, but those losers are like, we've got allergies. Our, <laughs> our eyes get puffy every time we go at liars. But anyway, I was out there and I had to cut the grass. You know how it is when you're a kid. Y'all, I promise you, we lived on a farm. The backyard had to have been like five acres. Anybody went back to their childhood home and it was so much smaller than you remember it being? I went back to that house recently, y'all. It wasn't even a quarter acre. It, was, it wasn't even one acre. It was five acres to a 12-year-old. Remember back then, my dad would say, Stephen, I'm going to work. When I come back, this grass better be cut, and I don't want to see no mohawks in my lawn. It's got to be perfect. Do you understand the torture on a 12-year-old's life when you are cutting grass and you can hear the screams and the shrieks and the fun of all your friends who live in freedom? And can play basketball or tackle football whenever they want. And you know, I'm out there cutting grass, just going, things not fair. I thought slavery was over. This is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Remember one day my dad went to work and said, Stephen, I need you to cut the grass. And I was just mad, stomped down to the shed, opened the shed, and I pulled the lawnmower out. I primed it a few times. And then, you know, you close the handle and, and I grabbed the, 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 the cord and I went, mm, and the lawnmower, I mean, smoke came flying out the lawnmower. I said, ooh, this is good. This is good. 
I pulled it along, and it revs up, and then it dies. And I'm like, yes. I pull it again, and smoke, and it revs up, then it dies. I said, you know, he's going to be on me. So I pull it third time. The third time I pull it, nothing. I said, it's good and dead. I put that thing right back in the closet, went out and played, had the time of my life. Couldn't wait for my dad to get home. He got home. He said, I thought I told you to cut the grass. I said, you did, but your lawnmower is broken. (laughs) Had one on him. Yo, the sun had already set. It's dark outside. This man marches me out in the dark to the back shed. He said, show me. Pull it out the garage, all confident and proud. I pull that lever. Nothing happens. My dad leans over, (laughs) unscrews the cap. Looks in there. He didn't even point, just grab me by my neck. Look in there. Go get me the gas container. Pours the gas in there. Now started in it like brand new. It wasn't broken. It just didn't have any gas in it. Because motors need. Oh, I'm preaching. Are you preaching with me? Motors don't want gas, they need gas. And if they don't have gas, they don't operate the way that they're supposed to operate. Husbands, when we heard last week that our wives need security and they need non-sexual affection and they need leadership and vision, you've got to understand it's not what they want, it's what they need. And if they don't get it, they're not going to operate the way God designed them to. Can I get some ladies to say... But that was last week. And I need y'all ladies to understand. It ain't a want, it's a need. And if you expect us to operate the way God has called us to operate, you've got to put some gasoline in the lawnmower. And you can take that any way you want it. Hear me. The problem is many wives don't know what their husband needs to operate the way that God designed them to operate. The bigger problem is a lot of husbands don't know what we need to operate the way that God's called us to operate. You see, many of us were raised in these homes where it's like men don't cry. Men don't have fear. You wake up and you go to work and you keep moving. You go to work on sick day, you get it done. So we were taught to be a man means you push through anything. And because we're strong enough to push through anything, we don't even realize that there's things that we need to keep going. The way. Can I give you a bigger problem? The wife may not know what the man needs. The husband may not know what the man needs. But Satan knows what the man needs. Come on now, I'm preaching already. And what you've got to understand is any natural need or spiritual need that God has given to humanity, God has created a holy solution for that need. Somebody say amen. And Satan has created a counterfeit to fill that need. So the wife may not know what the man needs and the husband might know what the man needs, but Delilah knows what the man needs. 
And here comes Delilah slithering up to Samson. I can meet your needs. Can I just preach for a second? Any way you get your needs met outside of the plan of God, it will meet your needs. But study Delilah. She took his vision. She took his strength. And she took his future. You may get your needs met, but it will cost you so much more than you're willing to pay. So in a marriage as a husband, we've got to know what our wives need and we've got to meet those needs. But wives, you've got to know what your husband needs and you've got to meet those needs. Y'all ready to take this journey? Three, three needs, three needs that every man has. The first one is this, write this down. The number one need is honor and respect. I am having so much fun. The number one need is honor and respect. Here's what just happened. All the women were like, okay, I can do that. Not surprised, but I can do that. And every man in the room is like, pastor, you had one job. I was so sure you won't come through for me today. And you will come with honor and respect, really? <laughs> you act like the word. I got y'all, I got y'all, I got y'all. Just let, somebody say, let him cook, let him cook, let him cook, let him, let him cook. Yeah. Work in here. Hear me? The number one need of a man is honor and respect. The number one need of a man is not sex. The number one need of a man is honor and respect. I, by the way, this is going to be the most ignorant message you heard all day long. I've got, I've got ignorant statements all through this. Here goes the first one. If sex were the number one need of a man, every promiscuous woman would have one. That was good. That was good. I don't care what y'all say. I don't care what y'all say. That was good. Hear, hear, hear me. The number one need of a man is honor and respect. And sometimes women don't understand how different we are than you are. So, so you think that because I have his body, I have him. Hear me. As a woman, you're not able to separate your body and your emotions. So when you give your body to someone, you're giving all of your emotions. Us men, I don't know why God made us this way, but we can compartmentalize ourselves. We can give you our bodies and be completely emotionally disconnected. Hear me. So you may have a man's body, but you don't have his dreams. He's giving you his body. He has not given you his dreams, his aspirations, his fears, his future. He has not given you his soul. The only way you're going to get my soul, my dreams, my visions, my aspirations, my fear is when you honor me. Here in the passage in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, it, it, it's so hard. We've got this time frame in which we have in a service, and sometimes when I pull out one passage and I read it, you don't catch the magnitude of the weight of the moment. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, hear me, back into the city of God. Can I help you out with something? His presence was never supposed to leave the city of God. So the fact that God's presence was not in the city, we were dealing with a tragic day. This would be as if the church lost God. 
How did the presence of God leave the city of David? Well, the king prior to David, who was Saul, got tired of waiting on God to come through. And Saul said, I could do it in my own strength. Bring me that box. Let's go to war. We could do it without God. And God says, you may put my name on something, but if I'm not in it, I'm not in it. Can, 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 I, can I just preach for a second? You know when the Bible says, do not use the Lord's name in vain? A lot of us were raised to preach. That, that means don't say, oh, you know, OMG. No, it doesn't mean don't use God's word as a name as a curse word. By the way, you shouldn't do that. What it really means is don't put God's name on something that he ain't never said. God told me. No, he did not because he would have told me to. Saul said, I need God's presence. God said, I'm not going. And they ended up losing the battle and the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant. When David became king, he said, my first mission is to restore God's presence in my house. By the way, that's the first job of a real man. I'm going to make sure that my family has the presence of God and the favor of God and the blessings of God on this house. So the Philistines returned the ark and David said, let's go get God's presence and bring it back in the city. The problem is David was a new leader and new leaders sometimes are naive and they make dumb decisions. So David went and got the Ark of the Covenant and he put it on a cart and had it driven into the city with oxen when God say, never put my presence on an ark, only put my presence on the shoulders of the priest. And because they did the right thing the wrong way, somebody touched the ark and dropped dead. And could you imagine someone's been president for 24 hours and innocent people are already losing their life? Could you imagine how crushed David was? That this is the situation that took place. By the way, just because I'm preaching, preaching just to have fun. Here's why God said, never carry my presence on a cart. Because systems don't bring the presence of God. And the church is in a dangerous place where we think just because we sing two songs, have a transition, and then a tag at the end, that God is going to automatically show up. God doesn't show up because you got screens or lights or smoke. God shows up because he inhabits the praises of his people. He always has and always will only travel on the shoulders of the priest. Since we're taking a moment, can I get some priests in this room that say, I carry the presence of God. I know when my hands go up and my praise goes up that the presence of God. Somebody shout amen in this place. So David said, leave that killer box outside of my city. People dropping dead. I want no part of it. And they take God's presence and they store it in a man's house by the name of Obed-Edom. I don't have time to preach it, but God's presence in Obed's house did what God's presence does. Homie, sheep started giving birth triple time. Cornfields started express everything in Obed Edom's life began to grow and increase and multiply because wherever the presence of the Lord is, progress and prosperity and favor breaks out. So they came and they said, David, you got to go get that box. Obed is about to be more blessed than you are. David said, okay, it's time to go get the presence. And he studied and they taught him how to carry the presence of God. And he goes to Obed-Edom's house. He says, sorry, bro, you too blessed. We got to take this box back from you. And they put the presence on the Levite's shoulder and they take six steps. And on the sixth step, they stop and they sacrifice animals and they praise and they worship and they take six more steps. And they, could you imagine how long the journey was to get this ark back in to the city of David? And even though David 
was king, he said, there's a greater king that is present right now, so I don't want to be the king under the king. I'm just going to be the servant of the king. So he takes off his crown, and he takes off of his kingly robes, and he begins to dance and praise like a commoner in the presence of the true king. Finally gets the presence of God into the city of David, into the house that he had built for it. And he looks around and said, this was a long day. I'm exhausted. The people must be exhausted. Let me not send them home hungry. And he said, hey, y'all, there's going to be a potluck after church. After church, there's going to be some fried fish in the vestibule. I'm <laughs> still trying to figure out what a vestibule is. You're talking about the lobby? But anyway... And it says every man, every woman got cake, got fish, got raised. He fed everybody. Could you imagine how exhausted David was on the day he was rectifying his biggest mistake, marched miles into the city, fed all of these people. And it says when he was done, David said, I can't be a blessing to the people and not be a blessing to my own home. Let me go home and pray over my children and bless my house and make sure that my house is cared for. And here he comes to his house to bless his family and that woman, McCall, meets him at the door. He's like, whew, it was a long day. And she goes, I bet it was. I said, babe, I wish you had come. I miss you. I ain't coming for that foolishness. And she lights in him. I heard about you. I had to hear about you from the servant girls. You know what they said? What kind of king are you? Said you took off your robes. You were, you were dancing in the street, acting a fool. My daddy told me not to marry you. <laughs> Exhausted, overwhelmed, looking to care for his family. Instead of hearing, wow, I'm proud of you. Here's why you messed up and what you did wrong. Now, this is why I love reading the Bible, because you run into men that are so much more spiritual than you are. <laughs> if that had been a me, <laughs> had been is a word, by the way, if that had been a me, and she said, what kind of king are you? You know what I said? A lot better king than your daddy was, because he did. <laughs> you know who killed him? God did. <laughs> I think that's a song. God did. Yeah. You know why? Because God was done with your daddy. And guess who he picked? Me. So apparently I'm king enough for God. No matter what you say. The number one thing a man needs is, I've got your back. I'm proud of you. Great job. Not, how could you? Why did you? And I'll, I'll, I'll appreciate this in a second, but, but don't, don't miss this. It says in the last verse, don't, don't turn back there, it says this. It says, therefore, McCall, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Can I preach for a second? Some theologians are like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's because God cursed her and struck her womb, and she wasn't able to have kids. She was barren. The Bible doesn't tell us that. So it's up to our interpretation. So that could have happened. You know what else could have happened? David could have said, I'm done with you. I think what happened was David said, I didn't touch her again. When I needed you the most, you're the one that came from my neck. And I'm done. A lot of women think that when he walked out the door is when he left. 
and they don't realize you lost him three years before he walked out that door. Because his physical departure was only a natural statement of the departure of his soul. You've got to understand, anybody can give him flesh, but not anybody can say, hey, I've got your back. I'm here for you. I need you to know I am the one that's cheering you on. Can we just preach Bible for a second? It's not the same. Men and women, I don't care what 2024 tells you, are not the same. When you go back to the book of Genesis, because of sin, there was a different curse put on women than were put on men. Because of the sin, the curse that was put on women, the Bible says, as a woman, you will have pain in your childbirth. Men don't have to deal with that. That's something that only women have to deal with. By the way, that's why children are able to break their mother's heart. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm, ladies, I don't want to tell y'all stuff that y'all don't need to know, but I just, ain't no kid going to break a man's heart. <laughs> your kid does something dumb, your mama's heart's broken. You know what the dad says? <laughs> you good? We good. We good. <laughs> if he want to be stupid, he could be stupid. It ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> Mama's like, oh my gosh, my baby, my baby's out there. <laughs> we we, we got to let him come back home. We got to let him come back home. He can't leave out there. You know what daddy said? He ain't come back in this house. <laughs> what he not going to, he, he was a man when he left. He could be a man and figure it out right now. But what he's not going to do is come back in. Come on now. That's part of the curse. As women, you have an unhealthy emotional attachment. To... I said unhealthy. I said what I said. Don't play me. I said what I said. I said what I said. <laughs> do you know what the curse on the man was? By the sweat of your brow, you will provide for your family. Your curse is pain and childbirth. Our curse is work is never going to be easy. And you've got to understand wherever the curse is, is where the enemy attacks the most. So I'm, can I just preach Bible for a second? When y'all go to work, y'all go to work. When we go to work, we go to war. It's different. The income may be the same, but the battle is not. Because when, when we go to work, we're representing our family. We are standing before the gates of hell and making sure that the call of God on our home and the purpose of God and the presence of God comes to pass in what he's called us to do. There's a weight that we carry that is more than just a paycheck. It is, I've got people with my last name that are relying on me that I've got to represent and I'm putting my armor on and I'm going to war every single day. And when I come home, I'm exhausted. And I come home after battle, and you like, well, pastors, I said that you have to affirm me. <laughs> and that you need to hear words, so I need to know how was your day. And, and since you're here, I just need you to know the kids have homework, and they would really appreciate if their father would help them with their homework. <laughs> Give me a moment. Okay, don't preach your opinion. Preach your Bible. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7 says this. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Look says, strike the shepherd. Shepherd is a masculine word. It would have said shepherdess if it was talking about a woman. So strike the shepherd and the sheep. Who are the sheep? My wife, my children. 
the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. Here's what the enemy knows. If I can destroy the man of the house, the family is unex... Can, can we preach for a second? Last week, y'all told us you needed security. What does the thief have to do? Get security out the way, and then he can ransack the home. The man is attacked by the enemy because the enemy knows if I could get him out, I could run old school word, roughshod all over the kids and all over the wife and all of the home. When we left, we didn't go to work. We went to war. And when we come home, I need somebody that's going to nurse my wounds, not complicate them. And here's what the ladies say, oh, he's sensitive. He can never be corrected. We can never have conflict because every time we have conflict, he gets a feeling and an attitude. I'd honor him, but we got to talk. Let, 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 me, let me give you this analogy. Somebody say bank account. If you got a bank account, you do two things with it. You put money in and you take money out. What happens when you take more money out than you put in? You get this little overdraft female and a charge. Whenever you get money, we take it $35. Because you don't get to take out more than you put in. And if you consistently take out more than you put in, guess what they do? They terminate the relationship. Because you keep on overdrawing on this account. So we're careful to make sure we're putting more in than we take out. Some of us treat Wells Fargo better than we treat our spouse. Because correction is a withdrawal, and honor and respect is a deposit. I'm, I'm not sensitive. You could tell me I made a mistake. You could tell me I'm wrong. Can I tell you something real, and, and every man in here will agree with me? There's no way you could be harder on me than I am on myself. If you knew the standard that I hold myself to, just trust me, whatever you don't like about me, there's 20 more things I don't like about myself. What I need is somebody that's going to invest confidence and honor and respect. You can make a withdrawal, but put in more than you take out. We're going to spoon feed this one. Can I just give you some phrases that your husband needs to hear you say? Hey, babe, I trust your judgment. What if I don't? <laughs> I told y'all I hear cynics. I hear things on. What if I, I don't? I don't trust his judgment. Okay, so we named today's message what every man needs because of YouTube searches. You know what I wanted to name today's message? Lie to me. <laughs> you don't trust my judgment? Just tell me that you do. Find something that you trust and say you trust that. A man that is honored and respected in his home, I'm prom is invincible. Babe, babe, I trust your judgment. Hey, here's one. Hey, babe, I appreciate all you do for the family. Hey, babe, I think the world of you. You know what happens to a man when you say that? His chest puffs up. He'll turn his back on you and start marching. It's nine o'clock at night. Where are you going? I'm going back to work. I got to provide for this family. I got to make sure y'all. When you've got that man's back, he's invincible. Oh. 
do I move on or do there's another level of shade that I got but y'all pick y'all want the shade or you want to I always say and then when I say it it's so shady y'all like no the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself and a lot of women don't respect themselves so it's hard to give what you don't You let the kids run all over you. You let your boss run all over you. You let your mama all run all over you. So you're just used to getting run all over. So you just think that's what it means to serve. No, 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 no. You, some of y'all are going to have to get some self-respect before you can even give him some respect. I might not preach that next service. We'll leave that. Okay. All right. Number one need of every man. Number one need of every man is honor and respect. Y'all ready for point number two? This is point number two. Here we go. Write this down. Point number two. The number one need is sexual fulfillment. Point number two. <laughs> Fellas, don't worry. I got your back. I got your back. The number one need of every man is honor and respect. The number one need of every man is sexual fulfillment. Don't look at me like that. She's like, that ain't fair. That ain't fair. You're cheating. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't allowed to have two number ones. Can I prove it to you? You got a car, right? If you got a car with no gasoline, what happens? Ain't gonna work, ain't gonna work. It needs gasoline. Got a question for you, you got a car, right? It's full of gasoline, ain't got no oil. Think about it, think about it. It still don't work, it still don't work. You give me gasoline, but you gotta give me oil too. Y'all don't believe me, y'all want Bible, right? Let me, let me give you a Bible verse. This was written by the Apostle Marvin. When I get that feeling, I need, not what I need, sexual. (laughs) It may not be Bible, but it's good preaching. It's a need. Not even a want, it's a need. And I had two weeks of Paisley Prayer. I had two weeks to get ready for y'all. So I got the Bible direction. I got just my mama man direction. I'm going to start with science. Scientific studies show we're going to have a bad heart. Our cholesterol gets high when we're deprived. It is, it is medicine. Marvin Gaye was not wrong. I'm not making this up. USA Today did a study. They said men who have regular, not regular, not sporadic, not it's Christmas, it's your birthday, regular. <laughs> Says they make more money. Y'all want provision? <laughs> that can be arranged. So they matriculate through their career faster. We are less likely to battle with depression and, 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 and mental illness and all that other kind of stuff if you would just heal us. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm having way more fun than y'all are. All right, pastor, stop playing. Stop playing. Okay, I'll read the Bible. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Here's what it says. Stop it. I don't know what you mean. This is what it says. It says, stop it with the flannel nightgowns. It's right here in the Bible. That's what it says. 
You don't see it? It says, stop it. It's only nine o'clock. Why is your head tied? It's right here in the Bible. Where did your eyelashes go? It's only... It's Bible. It's not me. It's Bible. <laughs> oh, my Lord. You're not allowed to have this much fun in church. <laughs> it says, stop depriving one another except by agreement. I don't agree. There's no agreement. For at a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. We'll pray in the morning. <laughs> Why we got to pray at night? We good. We're covered. It says, and come together again, which means once ain't good enough, again. <laughs> I'm just interpreting scripture. I'm just interpreting scripture. Watch this. So that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Here's what women want to say. Control yourself. Here's what the Bible says. You can help me. <laughs> Spirit-filled. I ain't a gladiator. I've got control, but you can help me need less control. It's not, it's not just a want. It, 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 it is a need, a, an appetite that God has given every single man. This, I'll clean it up somewhere in the end. Maybe I'll do it now. That's why it's dangerous, single men, when you awaken an appetite before it's time. That's why Song of Solomon said, don't awaken love before it's time. And some of us awaken an appetite freshman year in high school or freshman year in college or long before we had the biblical option of how to feed that appetite. And we've cost ourselves our vision and our dreams and our future because it is an appetite that was given to us by God for a certain season of life to be fed by a wife, not a girlfriend. And I'll tell you why in a second, but the reason is you know because it's so much bigger than just sex. I don't care what Eminem says. You and me, baby, are not just animals. <laughs> Y'all don't know that song. Let's do it like they do it on Discovery Channel. Anyway. <laughs> I thought my 90s babies would have me. Y'all left me hanging. So, so here's, here's what we don't realize Men and women, we're different. We have different needs. So to meet the needs of my spouse, I'm going to have to do something that I don't need. That's what serving is. And what we found out from most of you ladies last week is it was to get you in the mood. Golly, take all day. I gotta wash the dishes, I gotta vacuum, I gotta love all these children in this house, I gotta ask you how your day was, how you feeling, here's my day, rub your back and expect nothing to happen, and this is just priming you for three days from now. My gosh. My wife and I, third year of marriage, we said, we, we, you know, we, we grown, we got a little bit of money, we go, going out to eat, so we went to prime rib most expensive, stupid steak I've ever had in my life. 
tasted just like Golden Corral. I said, why are we here? But we ain't never been so in any place that nice before. So we, we put on our nice clothes and we went out and, and we, we parked our car. Y'all, somebody took our car. We didn't even have to park it ourselves. It was third year of marriage. I ain't never seen that before. They call him a valet. It was so cool. <laughs> I was a little worried. You're going to bring that car back? Well, I don't even know you like that. Anyway, we go in and we give their names and, 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 and I mean, the, the little guy, I don't know what you call him, Butler, would have had a little, a little napkin over his thing and he walked all stiff and all that and walked us to our table, pulled our chairs out, sat us down. I had some jeans, not jeans, I had a blue suit on and they, they, they took my white napkin away and they brought me a black one. I said, what'd you do that for? He said, well, I didn't want to get any dust to get on your pants. I said, you better not. So they left, they came back and said, would you like some coffee? I said, no, no, I don't need coffee. I said, some coffee. And they left and, and, and they didn't come back. It was like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, they come back. I'm like, was it because we black? They don't think we can afford this food with it? I was just, you know, I just pray for me. I need more Jesus. But after a while, my wife, she was just like, you know what, this ain't right, this ain't right. They ain't serving us like they serving everybody else. She's from PG County. She don't go out much. So she, she was like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. The waiter came and said, ma'am, can I help? No, this ain't right. This ain't right. We've been here for 20 minutes. Y'all didn't even bring us a menu. I'm like, babe, calm down. Calm down, babe. Yeah, y'all didn't bring us a menu. <laughs> they go, oh, well, we like to let our guests settle before we serve them. Are you ready to eat? We were like, oh. Yeah, yeah, we're ready to eat. Brought the menu out. We ordered. I mean, I cut the steak. It melted in my knife. That drink was, oh, amazing. Biggest bill I ever seen. Well, I had to work three more years to pay it off. <laughs> That's what y'all women are like. It's a great meal. It just takes forever. <laughs> did I leave full? I did. But guess what? I got full at Chick Fil A too. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor? Sometimes it's a prime rib night. Sometimes we don't got time for prime rib. <laughs> y'all didn't know where I was going. We got here. It took me a while, but we got here. We got here. Listen, if kids are sick, throwing up in bed, you tired, we late, we got, listen, we don't got room for prime rib tonight, but Chick-fil-A will do. <laughs> and some of y'all only know how to do prime rib. You, let, let me tell you what happened with Chick-fil-A. When you go to Chick-fil-A, you don't even got to get out your car. You just pull right up. <laughs> and you know what they ask you at Chick-fil-A? They ask you how you want it. I'm sorry. I mean, they ask you what you want. Sorry. I just I'm got a little confused. And then you say, I want a number three. And you know what they say when you say, you know what they don't say when you say I want a number three? They don't say, I'm tired. They don't say, I got a headache. You know what they say at Chick-fil-A when you say that? They say, my pleasure. I'm just asking. Just one night when I'm hungry. Can your only response be? Come on, try it. My. Woo! Any man just felt the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's a word. Water is not our only need. Food is not our only need. We have a need for sexual fulfillment. And when that need is not met, we're hungry. What do you do when you're hungry? You look for a snack. So you send me out to work, to war, hungry. 
and say, you can't eat nothing until you get home. And I'm not even sure they're going to be food for me when I get home. <laughs> and I'm at work all day, driving in my car, and I see Wendy, I mean Wendy's. <laughs> Drive a little further, now I'm downtown Baltimore, I see Shirley, I mean Miss Shirley's. I'm not allowed to eat there, I'm not allowed to eat there, and I'm not even guaranteed they had a meal at home. Pastor Brian preached this last week in Charlotte. I said, ooh, that's good. I'm stealing that. He said, I'm not allowed to eat outside. There's not a lot of meals inside. I just need a snackity snack snack. <laughs> so now I grab my phone. And there's little Debbie cakes on my phone. <laughs> and now you call me a pervert. You tell me I'm nasty. It's sin, but the truth is, I'm hungry. And I need a meal. <laughs> well, 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 we're just, we're just waiting till we're both in the mood. Can I, can I just depress some men in here? I looked at this from biblical, from Stephen, and from science. You know, scientifically, a married couple is going to be in the mood. There's 13-year-olds in the room, so I'll just say that. In the mood at the same time. Y'all ready for this? Anybody ready to get depressed? Eight times. Eight times a week, eight times a month, eight times a year, eight times in a lifetime. <laughs> Anybody depressed? <laughs> Where you biologically are both in the same mood eight times in a lifetime which means somebody is always not really going to be in the mood. So I'm, I'm, I'm studying, I was researching this, and, and I'm studying this. In this moment, I had to pause. I just walked away from the Bible. I just had to take a prayer moment, and I wasn't really praying, God, help me. I was just praying, God, why? That seems really messed up. That seems really mean. I said, no, no, no. Marriage was always about serving somebody. And, and serving somebody's need when it's not your need is it, one of the definitions of love. I'm putting your need above my need. I'm going to serve your need. That's what marriage is. So hey, if tonight you need me to control myself because you're exhausted and you just need somebody to cuddle with, and you just need someone to hear about how things are going, I can do that. But just remember tomorrow. <laughs> Come on now. There's, there's, some, there's so many ways you can, you can attack this. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 says this, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over living thing, every living thing that moves on the earth. God gave a married couple. Somebody say married. married. I'm only talking to married couples. If you're single, this ain't for you. Do not be fruitful. Do not multiply. <laughs> Tracking with me. That's a whole different story for a different day. I don't understand why people, particularly men, are so happy single for so long. You might, anyway. It takes a husband and a wife to multiply. God's design. He put seed in the man. He put womb in the woman. It's why as men, we're always ready. We don't take nothing to plant seed. We, we, don't, we don't need to warm up. We don't got no cycles. We're ready to go. Let's do this. It's, 
The womb is what incubates that seed and brings it to full maturation. It takes time to incubate. That's why it's not always the right time because it takes time to incubate. Hear me, ladies, when you get our body, what comes after it is the visions that God's given us, the dreams, the aspirations. You want to get a man talking? Meet his physical need and watch that guy spill his guts. Well, here's how my day was. Here's a dream. Here's what God's laying in my heart. Here's what I believe for my family. You over there. You want a visionary? You want a leader? You want somebody who says, thus saith the Lord, this is where we're going? When you meet his need, you will get not just a physical seed, but the spiritual seed that God has placed inside of his life, and you'll actually have something to help make and to bring to fruition. My husband's not giving me vision. I'll tell you, give him what he needs and you'll get the vision out of his heart. Last thing is this. Number one, number one need of man is honor and respect. Number two, number one need of a man is sexual fulfillment. Point number three, the number one need (laughs) is significance and legacy. The number one need of a man is honor, respect, sexual fulfillment, significance, and legacy. We done. This is, somebody said after the first measure, this is a pastor, this is like a cheat code. Wives, hear me. This is a man's cheat code. You learn this, you, 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 you will get things out of your marriage that you never thought possible. Hear me carefully. The first half of a man's life, and I'm not saying up to 50, but the first section of a man's life, his biggest focus is, I want to make my dad proud. Hear me. This is why you see little boys. Is daddy watching? Daddy, did you see? Daddy, I got, I got, I got, I got a mustache, daddy. It's, I, did I make my dad proud? But there's a season in a man's life when he's no longer as concerned about making his father proud as he is concerned about leaving a legacy and having a place of significance for his own name. Let me read Bible and let me tell you what I'm called to dip wrong. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, this is God talking to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. He said, Abram, your season is shifting. It's no longer about making your dad's name great. Here's what he said. He said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessed. There's a season in a man's life where he is no longer concerned about making his dad proud, but he is now concerned about leaving a legacy of significance here on earth. Can I preach the Bible for a second? You know what McCall said when David got home? She said, my dad would have never done anything like that. She was thinking about the reputation of the past generation, and she had missed that David had shifted to a new season in his life. David no longer cared what his dad or what his dad-in-law cared about. He said, I'm now about making a legacy for myself. Her husband has shifted, and she didn't know. The number one need a man needs from his wife is help me build a great family. Help me build a great reputation. Help me that when I'm leaving this earth, I can look back and see the kingdom impact I made here on this earth. Proverbs 31 is the chapter we love to beat all you women up with. 
Verse 21 says this, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Watch this. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now, let me be fair. Proverbs 31, we say, hey, this is what a woman of God is supposed to look like. Most likely, it was a culmination of 20 plus different women. No one woman can do all of those things. But don't miss this. It's a, a woman. She takes care of her. She does this. She does this. She does that. She does this. And her husband is known in the gate. Listen, the gates in the Bible days would have been the Senate of today. Here's what it's saying. Because of how amazing this woman was, that man had status where he was. Not because he was that great, but because he had somebody that was holding house down and holding his leg, and he had a reputation because of who his family was. Can I just say it for real for real? We need a woman that can hold down a home more than we need a woman that can secure a bag. I ain't going to have a lot of amens, but I'm preaching in the words. So we, well, I can have my own money. That's not the biggest thing that I need from you. Is can we build something that will last? And here's what happens. Women are like, well, if he made more money, I wouldn't have to worry about making money. Well, maybe he would make more money if he was honored and respected and his needs were fulfilled. And if somebody said, hey, I've got your back. Let's do this. I don't need somebody to compete with me. I need somebody to compliment me. One of the most amazing things my wife does for me is I, I'm, I'm, I'm present father. I love my kids. I'm all, all that other stuff. But this is a lot, y'all. I don't know if you, there's a lot of you people. All y'all crazy. I work and, and, and sometimes I'll come home and I'll say, hey, babe, hey, how's your day? And she makes sure that I'm like, <laughs> drop my guard on. She said, hey, I think Roman needs some time with you. Roman's our, 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 our son, our second born. And, and she's like, hey, I think, I think Roman needs some time with you. And not that we don't spend time. I think she's saying, hey, he just, he just needs, usually means he's talking back and, and he needs some daddy time. And, and I'll go, hey, bud, let's go out. We'll go out and play soccer. We'll go out and grab some food. And my older Zoe will say, daddy, can I come? He's like, no, no, no. This, this is some time with, with me and Roman. Sometimes it's time with me and, 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 and Zoe or sometimes me. But, but here's what she says. She said, hey, I don't need you to say, see everything. What you don't see, I see. And what I don't see, you see. I see here's an area where, there's, where you're needed. Can you step in here? And I'm like, thank you, hear me, for having my back. You know another way she can say that? You're so busy being a spiritual father out there, you forgot to be a father in here. How do you think that's going to go? No, no, no. We're in this together. I've got, it's, it, it, it's me and you against the world. Let's see what God can build through us. Somebody say amen. Okay, I'm a whisper because I know I'm dancing on toes right now. One of the problems in the church is we preach how things should be, not how they are. And I'm like, Pastor, that's all well and good, but you know, that's not how my home works. The reality is most of us married a broken person and we ourselves are broken. And it was that way before we got married. 
They didn't get what they needed from their dad, from their mom, or whatever it may be, trauma, tragedy. And now I've got somebody who, who they don't know how to create security, or they, they, they don't really know how to provide, or they don't know how to honor and respect me, or fulfill my needs, or whatever it may be. Here's the problem for society today. When something breaks, we're replacing it instead of fixing it. You're tracking with me. If your car needs an oil change, you don't trade it in. You go get the oil change so that car can operate the way it's supposed to operate. I know we've, we've jacked everything up. Women meant nothing in a season in history and now we've overcorrected and all this other good stuff. But it's like, hey, if you can't provide, then I'll provide. No, don't replace me, fix me. Because if God's called me to provide, but you don't need me to do that, and God's called me to lead the family, and you don't need me to do that, and God's called me to be the priest of our home, but you're more spiritual than me, you don't need me to do that, then what do you need me for? And can I, can I just keep it 100? A lot of men are walking into a home, and they're asking themselves a the question, am I needed here? And the enemy is whispering in their ear, you're not needed there. And through the authority of Almighty God, every man under the sound of my voice, hear me. You are needed in your home. You are needed in this church. You're needed in society. You're needed in our schools, in our governments. You are needed in every single area of life. And yeah, life may have put you in a place where you can't show up the way that you need to show up, but let God heal you so that you can take your rightful place, that we can live in the peace that God has called us to. You may not like it, but say amen anyway. Come on. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, we're laughing. We're healing. And God, you're restoring rightful order in our lives. Just to sing with your eyes closed and your head proud, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you as it is every week. Everything I just preached to you is absolutely impossible to do without the power of God in your life. So many people are discouraged, maybe not about marriage, but just about life because you've been trying to do it in your own strength. It's not possible. You need the spirit of Jesus and he's here right now. Wherever you find yourself, if you've come to the end of yourself, he said, I've tried and I realize I don't have what it takes. I need this Jesus that you're talking about. This is your moment right now. Can you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe that you came for me because you knew I needed you. You died on the cross. You shed your blood so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. And in this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on. Can you celebrate for every single person?